I had my heart broken a little bit when I applied to FSU's film school, did not get in. Damn it, like that was my dream of going to film school and I had no idea that that was really probably the reason I am where I am today. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes, set the foundation for your success, get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Hey, what's happening, y'all? Knucklehead Steven here with you. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. I'm fortunate enough, and if you've noticed a trend over the last you know, 12 months or so, we've spent a lot of time providing information and value to folks who listen to our show about what's, you know, what's coming next, right? I mean, mistakes, they have value uh, in business. They have value in your, you know, your personal development and your growth and your career. Uh, but digital, I want to say digital marketing, it's, that's so general. <laughs> People who are specialists at getting the word out via digital channels, we've really focused our attention on, on having influencers come on the show, whatever that meant back whenever I was growing up. Daryl Strawberry was an influencer, but that's a different topic if you've seen the latest <laughs> you know, ESPN 30 for 30. But we've got somebody who is, he's intertwined pretty well with some really, really interesting business owners. If you spent any time paying attention to a newsletter called The Hustle. And they just recently got acquired by HubSpot. But I, I really wanted to take some time to actually highlight one of the movers and shakers in that particular arena. And his name is is Justin. And I'm going to screw up pronouncing the name of the digital agency that he owns. So <laughs> you correct me, Justin. Go ahead and, and say hey to everybody. Yeah, Stephen, thanks for having me. Justin Kelsey here. Uh, so we we call ourselves Vaxa Digital. And we've been told it's uh, Vaxa Digital, Vaxa Digital. It technically does come from the, the root uh, word Vaxa, which in Swedish means growth. But, um, you know, we're, we're just a bunch of guys out to uh, to change the world. Not really. I hate using that cliche term, but we're, uh, we're out to make good content for e-commerce companies and, and grow their business. And that's kind of how we, we got the name Vaxa. Very cool. Very cool. So, just for, for those of you who are listening, this may be your first time listening to Knucklehead Podcast, which is fine. That's Go back and listen to some of the episodes uh, preceding this that have to do with how open and authentic some of the folks that are coming on uh, talk about how the, the role of mistakes or the role, role of screw-ups. And we just had somebody on recently who you know, hired one of their friends as their business grew. And I mean, they were running about $30 million top-line revenue. And this particular individual stole $300,000 from the business. Right. So there's screw ups from a, you know, a personal vetting practice that is not applicable to business or it's difficult to hold folks accountable to make sure that things like that don't happen. But, it, you know, these mistakes really slap some folks upside the head sometimes to get them to pay attention to the details. And so I, that's really, quite frankly, what we're going to try to get here uh, done today. So let, let me ask you a question real quick, just kind of generally speaking, when it came to the changes that, uh, you know, that Facebook and a lot of these big tech companies are talking about making changes on the privacy side, did you factor that into your equation at all, like over the course of the last year in terms of, of how you wanted to grow? Or are you just kind of one of those guys who's like, you know what, they're going to do what they do. I'm going to do what I do and I'm going to do it well. And I'm going to go perform for my clients. Yeah. Great, great question, Steven. So obviously that, that caught a lot of people off guard. I'm not going to lie. I mean, we all knew there was going to be privacy changes coming at some point, but nobody really knew the extent of them. Nobody really knew that Apple and Facebook were going to go up to battle with each other, essentially with these iOS 14 changes. And really, I mean, we were fortunate because 80% of our business comes from producing creative and about 20% comes from actually running the ads on that creative. So 
in terms of a direct impact on, on our business, we fortunately didn't see a, a massive hit when it came to, uh-oh, like all of a sudden now our attribution is gone. Like we're not able to track, you know, as customers go through this journey. Uh, so we got really lucky because regardless of privacy, customers are still going to need content. That being said, for the 20% of clients we were doing the media buying for, we noticed an almost immediate uh, decline in what appeared to be their performance. Again, there's a question as to, was this their actual performance dipping or was it a lack of attribution now because of these privacy changes? And to be honest, nobody really knew the answer to that. I mean, we were, you know, pinging our Facebook ad rep and talking to other agency owners and saying, hey guys, are you also noticing just these insane declines and alleged performance right now? And, um, you know, we were able to take that and and, and kind of gather that nobody really knows what's happening. Um, And unfortunately, because of that, we did have to place some clients on pause because we didn't want to be running Facebook ads. We really didn't know how that attribution was looking. Um, There are some pretty cool tools out there, not something we've played with, but something called Heroes, H-Y-R-O-S, that a lot of agency owners, anyone running Facebook ad is now trying out. Um, It's basically an attribution tool. Again, personally have not used it, no affiliation to the company, but I've had a lot of our clients say, hey, we're testing out this Heroes thing, if that's even how it's pronounced. Um, And that seems to be working well. But other than that, I mean, it still is such a black box, uh, you know, gray area in terms of what that attribution looks like. And that's, that's really hurting a lot of agencies right now, especially those that doubled down 100% in just running Facebook ads. Like if that was your sole source of driver for your revenue, basically, you're, you're probably hurting it quite a bit right now, because especially if you're doing performance-based campaigns, there's no way for you to get paid on that performance at the moment. So again, 20% 20% of our business was impacted. The other 80% were, were kind of just cranking forward still. Like be, the, the beautiful thing about creative is you can run it on Facebook. You can take that on, on YouTube or Google ads or TikTok or Snapchat. Um, so a lot of our customers take the ads and maybe now they're not running it on Facebook until they know where, where they want to put it. But, you know, they can take it over to Snapchat. They can take it to TikTok, et cetera. So I like, so there's a, there's a really interesting book. So first of all, thank you for that, for that answer. And for those of you who are listening and a lot of what Justin just said, if it seems like English is a second language or, or you know, gibberish or, or, or Latin, it's okay. It's, it's perfectly fine. Something tells me that it took you some time to develop the recognition capability to understand what all those idiosyncrasies and all those tools and all those things were. So if you just listen for the first time, it's okay. Justin, <laughs> he just told you exactly how, you know, you can get in touch with him. Vax is V-A-X-A. So at the end of this, he'll tell you exactly how to, how to connect with him. So I appreciate you calling that out. But I think it's interesting how the clear delineation that you used was attribution. So how can you measure what matters? There's, there's somebody who's come on the show before mm-hmm. who's talked about a book uh, called How to Measure Anything, right? And how 93% of, uh, 93% of all the statistics uh, that are out there, and I may be generalizing, so forgive me, but if you take a small data set and you have five data points, it's almost as accurate as having a gigantic data set. It's upwards of 92 to 93% accurate. If you can just measure five data points, as if you have gigantic volume sets of data for market research, right? It's, it's kind of amazing. And it goes through it obviously in more detail to build data models around how to do all those types of things, but it's interesting how you used validation and attribution. So talk to us real quick, a little bit about maybe some times where, you know, at the beginning of your career, did you see yourself doing what you're doing now or is your background in, in IT or talk to, talk to us a little bit about the development of Justin, so to speak. 
Yeah, it's uh, quite an interesting story, I would say. And, and that's, you know, maybe a slightly biased perspective, but I, I, I never have in my life pictured myself kind of being where I am now. So kind of going back to my childhood roots a little bit, I've always loved making videos. I've always loved, you know, I had my dad's camera when I was 10 years old out in the backyard, like doing stupid things with friends, like just recording. Where are you from originally? Uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. So down, okay. uh, right. down south. Are you a sports guy or no? Yeah, I went to University of Florida, Gators, big school. So we, uh, we we love our basketball, football, all the above. Uh, more college sports than professional. Uh, but my dad was a hardcore hardcore Dolphins fan, so I grew up a Dolphins fan. Uh, it's had its its roller coaster of uh, ups and downs. But uh, yes, yes, de- definitely. Yeah, so at ten, at ten, were you out there? Were you out there filming yourself with your dad's camera, the VHS, like a like old yeah, school? Or are we talking about school. like the handheld stuff? Uh, it, was, it was pretty old school. It wasn't quite the VHS style, but it Got was it. like the Super Eight. So the next evolution of VHS. Uh, a little bit smaller footprint. So I was out there doing dumb stuff that kind of evolved into middle school. I was, you know, doing some stop motion stuff and doing little claymations and fun little projects like that. That evolved into high school, went to a a magnet program for film. Um, So I was really, as a child, ingrained down that film path. I was all about it. I was, you know, I had access to a $300,000 studio in high school at our film program. So we could take out all these crazy cameras, editing base, all that good stuff. And then I had my heart broken a little bit when I applied to FSU's film school school, did not get in, uh, which was one of the top programs in the nation. But because I was a Florida resident, it would have been really cheap for me to go. And a little bit of context, my, my parents were both middle-class working, working folks. I, I couldn't uh, rely on them to send me to like NYU or UCLA or something like that. So FSU was the option if I was going to go to film school because I was going to have to pay for it myself or get a scholarship. So when I didn't get into their film school, I still got into FSU, but yeah, no, no one wants to go to FSU. So that's what I, uh, <laughs> that's what I also, yeah. burn. for those of you yeah. who are Seminole fans, uh, it's okay. <laughs> Justin can tell you exactly how to get in touch with them to send his hate yes, mail. And... Send the hate my way. No, I'm just that's kidding. Right. Some of my best friends uh, went to FSU. I, I have to give them a, a natural bit of hate from time to time, but uh, I feel like Will Ferrell before the, the Rose Bowl game against <laughs> Texas back then day where you can just take your Heisman Trophy and national championships from Tebow and say, I, yeah. sorry, I can't hear what you're saying. Uh, your coach Tebow. is at A&M now. So w- say again, what? Yeah. The, the man, the legend. But uh, yeah, so I uh, also happened to get into to, to UF, which, you know, got into their finance program, which was also one of the most Very coveted cool. finance programs in the nation. And, you know, as a kid, I'd always loved also the number side of things. I had probably five or six companies as a kid, everything from the traditional, like cutting people's grass to, uh, making chocolate covered gummy bears to sell in middle school to in high school. I had a beef jerky company that I sold instead of like selling candy. Um, I also launched, uh, did you package it yourself too? this, this, uh, all the above. So I I figured out how to make it package it, dehydrate it, all all that fun stuff. So it was pretty, pretty fun. Um, and then, you know, following that, I, uh, solely through mom and pop shops. I know I'm interrupting here, but I was, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, believe it or not, a lot of my business came from my high school. I kind of got known as the beef jerky guy and kids are hungry during the day and a lot of kids came to me for that but then we'd also go to craft craft fairs like local uh shows so and stuff it's important i want to stop here for just a second and we'll come back to, to to finish that story but to think about that for a second right so for those of you who are listening like you just gloss over the fact that there's all these kind of entrepreneurial efforts failing quickly to run experiments to you know go through this this process of, of validating it's connected directly to what you just talked about whenever you led with, you know, how do we measure what's working and how do we know mm-hmm. that that's what it's coming to? So, attribute, uh, you know, attribution. Characteristics of Florida are, is there a lot of farmland? No. Is there a lot of, you know, cows and that type of thing just out there? No. And when you talk about the round, right, which is essentially the piece of meat that's used to dehydrate <laughs> for jerky, it, you got to be resourceful on be able to like being able to find the right raw materials to begin with. So I got to ask you, 
how did you go through finding a supplier <laughs> for, for, for the right type of beef jerky? Or did you just have a good relationship with the Cisco rep and put them in a headlock? Uh, funny enough, I mean, I, I was a small enough scale. I wasn't trying to launch a massive venture. E-commerce wasn't quite a thing at the time. I wasn't trying to go to, to you know, wholesale or anything like that. So funny enough, I bought everything from Costco. I, I had a Costco membership and went in and it was cheap enough where I could still hit my margins um, without having to go through, you know, dealing with a food rep or something like that. And again, I was at the time 15 years old. I didn't know much about, you know, dealing with with those kind of wholesalers for meat. So uh, Costco was the place. I had a membership. My mom took me every week. We picked up the meat and uh, I went back and spent six hours prepping it. Then every day after school, about four hours dehydrating it and doing all that. But the the real interesting company where I finally got hooked on entrepreneurship, which is kind of, again, what led me to, to go to finance was sure. I started what I, I don't know how to describe it. They were, it's, it was a PC grow box company. There's really no way to describe that without like walking you through it, but I would take old computer towers like that were just meant to build servers or custom computers out of shell them out, like have nothing inside them, add lights and mylar and growing fans and, and little misters. And you could grow any sort of plant you wanted in what looked like a computer tower. So obviously people were, you know, buying this to grow tomatoes with, um, we'll but, look over your right uh, shoulder. So if you're watching, <laughs> if you're listening to this over audio, Justin has like an entire wall that's uh, green and he's got his brand glowing right in the middle, which is pretty <laughs> fantastic. I've got kids in my, you know, kids uh, pictures I of love kids it. fishing behind <laughs> me so uh, all right so i interrupted you go ahead i apologize so yes. the, it was a grow box like you you started it, selling this yourself so i made a, a youtube video funny enough super shitty video on a five megapixel digital camera basically put it on youtube got like four hundred fifty thousand views on it of this thing i built um which essentially launched a business right then and there we had people dming me five or ten times a day hey where can i buy these where can i buy these um so you know fast forward a, a year or two from that i was cranking these things out in high school had two employees i was paying cash to build these things for me we were shipping them out all across the world on a GoDaddy e-commerce site. So we had just a, this was before Shopify was a thing. So we, you know, were growing a business as 16 year olds, basically 17 year olds, 18 year olds, all the way till I graduated high school. Because of that, I had to learn a lot about managing budgets, managing cash flow, managing margins, and, you know, realized that I learned a lot about Excel and I loved Excel and I loved playing with numbers. And I, uh, because of that was like, you know what, finance might not be a bad idea. So um, ended up going to UF, studied finance, got my degree there, popped into consulting after that, uh, worked in strategy consulting for about four years before getting tired of being on a plane every single there week. In Florida, uh, or did you go, did you have to leave? I graduated UF and I actually moved up to Charlotte, North Carolina. So Got I, uh, that's where I'm at now. So I Accenture had said, Hey, we're trying to build our Charlotte practice. Um, we really want to, uh, get in with the FinTechs and Charlotte and Charlotte and the big banks, obviously bank of America, Wells, they're all based here in Charlotte. So, um, basically, you know, joined Accenture, did that for about three to four years before, again, I just hated packing up a suitcase every single week and getting on a plane, um, to anywhere in the world basically. But, uh, then jumped over to bank of America, uh, became a, a AVP of digital strategy and uh, did that for about a year and a half before uh, about two weeks ago, finally left um, that venture to go full-time with my business now. But there has been for you. so many learnings along that path. And, well, I mean, it, you, so you're talking about the intersections, right? So when, when folks who are listening to this or folks who, you know, hear stories like this, they, you know, they may gloss over some of these intersections that you're talking about, right? You're hiring your first employee. That's a huge milestone for a business, right? Even hearing, um, actually just recording a video and realizing that there's something there. It resonates with people where you have quite a few folks that start watching it. You have no idea who they are. And when they start DMing you or, or trying to get in touch with you, you're like, okay, are they, are they interested in what we just did, even though they're telling me that? Like, 
what, what, what's going on here? It's difficult. It's difficult to essentially assess how to categorize everything. And so one of the skill sets that I'm hearing over and over again, that you're talking about that gets glossed over when folks essentially let's just, you know, run this choose your own adventure story. Let's happen. Let's happen to say that you, you did go to Florida state, right? Heaven forbid. Right. So let's go, you go to Florida state <laughs> yeah. and you go to film school. Think about all these different, you know, inflection points across your development that would have just been missed. Right. And that's, that's what I think, quite frankly, a lot of people try to avoid, right. You, you'd made reference to, to consulting to a certain extent. There's all these models that you can have. Mm -hmm. hey, listen, this tool, here's this Excel spreadsheet and it sounds good necessarily in the board, in the boardroom. But then when you go out and try to execute the plan, that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's where a lot of difficult resistance has to be overcome. And so I, I just, I want to, I want to essentially bring out that, that a lot of people try to avoid it when in fact it sounded as if you, mm -hmm. you just said, all right, no, cool. That didn't work. So I'm going to go this direction. And like, think about that for a second. You said it gutted you, but think about how much of an advantage that was for you going into each one yeah. of these other reflection points. Can you go back there for a second and kind of think emotionally how yeah. devastating that was? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was, and I looked at it at the time as like, damn it. Like that was my dream of going to film school. And I had no idea that that was really probably the reason I am where I am today was, was that happening because, you know, had I gone down that path, like you said, gone to film school would have been an amazing adventure, would have met a great new group of friends at FSU would have had a blast doing it. Obviously FSU is an amazing school, fun school. Um, but I would have been probably moving to LA right after that. I would have been out, you know, fully ingrained in film, film path from day one, uh, versus, you know, because I, you know, ended up having to go to this finance route. I, I realized, you know, for one, I love finance. I, I loved the modeling side of things. I loved the business side of things that allowed me to build a nest egg that then let me transition back to what I was passionate about, which was the cool part. Like I, I, I built this nest egg up. I learned a lot of really valuable business fundamentals by, you know, doing consulting for fortune 500 companies and working with their executives and their, uh, you know, CEOs of these massive companies. I learned a lot about how to grow a business. And that was, again, something I've never would have forecasted, but has helped me invaluably now running my own business full time, you know, leadership lessons, financial lessons, you know, most creative agencies, most ad agencies, even again, they're so ingrained in the Facebook data, but they're not ingrained in their own financials. They're not doing margin calculations. They're not, you know, doing forecasting for two to three years out versus that just kind of comes natural now because I was doing that all the time when I was in consulting. So now I can, you know, whip up a model, uh, you know, every single project we sell, whether it's $1,500 or $15,000, runs through a margin calculation. I can tell you exactly what our bottom line is going to be. If I tweak our videographer pay from $23 an hour to $24 an hour, what's that going to do for our bottom line? Like everything is through a, a calculator. And again, would have never happened had I not been pushed down this path of consulting and, and working in the finance world. All right. So you're, you're touching on a topic that I, that I really want to focus on and maybe we can lay the plane on this particular topic, yeah, uh, Justin. Yeah. So you help me if I'm, I'm off base here, right? So you, you have this, this data set of, of customers or folks that you're talking to, right? And these, these folks are already in businesses, right? Established mature organizations that are growing, they're responsible, their stakeholders and their shareholders for that matter. Uh, and, and then you have this other kind of ecosystem of customers where, an element of consumer behavior, uh, reputation, kind of uh, popularity, so to speak, kind of is almost as important as performing for your stakeholders or shareholders here in this other instance. How do you balance that now as a, you know, as an entrepreneur where you want to develop and grow and attract folks that are creative, but at the same time, you also want to go and, and scratch that itch that got you started to begin with. So how, how, do you, how do you balance serving mature businesses, startups, but then also develop a team? Talk, talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, it, it, it's a very fine balance and, you know, something that I feel like is a very iterative process that, that is always changing. I mean, with creating... You mean to say, you, mean to say you, you have yourself an opportunity to screw up is what I'm hearing. Oh, that's, all day. That's, that's, yeah. kind of, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I mean, I, I think... This is not going podcast. This is yeah. not this is not a group perfectly for the first time also oh, no. every single time. I, I think that the screw-ups are how you learn and those screw-ups should be happening every single day when you're in the stage of a new business, honestly. I mean, our process it has evolved almost daily from when I started this business, even from the last two weeks, we've had new changes being implemented every day and how we, we conduct our business, the process we follow. I mean, we use a tool called ClickUp, which is a, a project manager tool similar to Asana or Monday or Trello, any of those guys. Um, and I, I went into this with an initial SOP and process that we were going to follow. I'm like, oh, on the books, this looks perfect. Like, I know this is going to be exactly how we produce our creative. Every new client is going to follow this exact flow. Then I bring it into action in reality there's a lot of things missing from it. There are things that aren't COVID hits. You got various levels of quality at each step of the process. You're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like at a, like you said, at a fortune 500 company, they, they eat that shit up. Like you give them this massive roadmap with like deliverables for every, you know, 16 weeks or whatever that looks like. They're never going to use it. You'll give them all the models in the world. You give them all the PowerPoints in the world. Half our clients at Accenture probably took that and threw it in the trash and went out and did another proposal for somebody else. Not, I mean, not to say they were bad, but they just that was sarcasm, <laughs> by the way. So if you're an attorney that's listening, listen, that was sarcasm. Okay, Sarca- I appreciate pure, that. Pure sarcasm. Yeah, of Very course. Cool. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but that to say, like e-commerce companies, on the other hand, like or smaller brands or growing brands, like they do need to follow some sort of degree of structure to them. Um, but you have to let the the juices flow. So you know, I found this balance. Of again, we every day have refined our creative processes, um, but working with my employees directly. So we're like, okay, yesterday, what didn't work? Like, what got delivered after schedule? Uh, you know, where do we screw up? Where did our margin blow? How can we take that today and build a new step in that SOP so that tomorrow we follow a new process that hopefully eliminates that that garbage that we had from the other day. And now we're, we're functioning much cleaner. Even if it's a, a 2% improvement, our system is now improving 2% better. You know, 2% over the course of a year is, is pretty good. If you can make yeah, a significant. 1, 1% improvement every day, you know, to the previous day in terms of how your your process is structured, you know, you're, you're going to be improving. And I think, you know, not just for creative agencies, obviously, but really any single business can adopt that same methodology where, you know, find, find 1% to improve on every single day. Like, what's the one thing that you, uh, you know, screw up on today? Like, how did something slip through the cracks? Why did it slip through the cracks? Okay, how can we build some sort of flag for next time that happens? You get alerted immediately and and prevent it from becoming an issue with your clients, especially in the world of e-commerce where you're shipping out a physical product. If, you know, something goes out with a defect or something goes out, um, you know, to the wrong person or any any, any sort of slip up in in the e-commerce world is going to be uh, a, a drastic cost to you to, to recover that. So you ship the wrong product, you, you send a bad product. like they have to ship that back to you. You have to ship them another one. There's just a lot of mess that happens. If, um, I mean, you have to have those screw ups to realize where, where you can improve, but sure. From there, make sure you're taking action on those. Make sure you're building something into your process. Make sure you have a process. I'm absolutely shocked by how many of our clients in e-commerce have no process to half of what they do. They're, they're winging it. They started it as a side hustle on Shopify and it blew up and they're still winging it with some VAs and a couple of like random teams that are kind of doing stuff, but there's just so much inefficiency in what they're doing. And, you know, I'm not there to tell them how to run their business, but a lot of times I try to give them suggestions on, Hey, you guys should implement a process for this, 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 or this. Um, and, and, you know, you can almost immediately see an impact uh, to the business from that regard. But I think like a moral of that is, is when you do make those screw ups, like you said, they're going to happen for everybody. They happen for me every week. They happen for any business every week. 
figure out how you can take those and, and turn them into some part of your process. And if you don't have a process, well, definitely make one because that's probably what caused that screw up in the first place. Yeah, that's it. So uh, it's an interesting way to uh, highlight the value of a process, right? I mean, if you're listening to this and you've heard this before, you've gone through that pain before, here at Knucklehead, we call it get some wins, right? So it's it's literally, you're going to screw up. It's not a matter of if, right? So when you screw up, you have to be able to, to not slow down. You have to be able to essentially go over that mistake, create momentum, allow that momentum to continue to keep uh, not just moving forward. I don't want to use a cliche phrase like that, but for instance, <laughs> if you make a wrong hire, right, you, you start to doubt your decision-making, you, you ship the wrong product. You're like, hey, geez, Louise, how, how did this happen? Right? So you, you start going back and reverse engineering the process. Both of my boys, I've got uh, two boys, 10 and six, yeah. they have a candy machine business. They go and they take them to local businesses uh, here in the area. They're losing interest. Well, why are they losing interest in doing that? Well, because COVID, this entire 12 months has impacted the amount of foot traffic that go into these businesses. So therefore it's reduced the enthusiasm of the folks that they're talking to. So indirectly, of course, it's going to impact their enthusiasm, right? We didn't know that until we started reverse engineering the process, right? So it's, it kind of goes without saying, and whenever you'd go through that reverse engineering, you're going a root cause analysis, you're like, Oh, well, duh, of course. So what you're talking about is just run these experiments over and over again. So talk real quick. And this will be the thing that we wrap with the value of the community that you've been kind of tapped into and, and how you came across trends or what was it about, you know, their information and the way that they were writing copy that, you know, that made you pay attention then had you stick around long enough to even you know take action with them. Yeah. So way before trends was even a thing, I, I was a subscriber to the hustle. Um, so I, you know, back in the day was probably in the first, I don't know, thousand or 2000 subscribers. One of my good friends, one of my best friends, Alex Moskov, uh, had sent over a link. He's like, Hey, you got to check out this, uh, this, this group here, like, or this newsletter here. It's, it's amazing. Uh, Shout I went to college to with it. He earned yeah. some credits. Way to go. Yeah. Buddy. He, uh, he, he got me hooked in this ecosystem, but he, uh, he was like, yeah, you got to check out this newsletter. I like applied to write for them a couple of times. Like, you know, I, I was ingrained in what they were trying to build a culture around hustling. And I was always, you know, a hustler, quote unquote, I hate that word, but like I was doing that my whole life. So I was like, this is cool. So I, I subscribed to them, you know, a year later, they launched their first hustle con. So I went out to that with Alex, we flew out there, we ended up meeting up with Sam and the gang uh, for the first hustle con out in San Francisco, um, Oakland specifically. So we did that. Loved it so much. Year two, we went back to HustleCon. Year three, we went back to HustleCon. So we just started flying out. This was part of our year. No matter what, we were making this trip together, um, getting a hotel, enjoying the Bay Area for a little bit. Um, and through that, we got pretty tight with the Hustle team as well. You know, we we're meeting a lot of them out there and getting and getting close with them. So when they finally launched Trends, uh, I think they had blasted out to the Hustle newsletter, hey, or and maybe it was a message from Sam directly. I can't remember, but basically he had said, hey, do you want to come in and beta test this new group that we're trying out? So I uh, came in as a beta tester, you know, was early on engaging in the group. There were maybe like a hundred members at the time and trends, you know, kind of sharing business ideas. There was no, no spam, no fluff, no anything. And I basically said, this is pretty cool. Like this is what Facebook groups need. There, there aren't any other out there like this where people aren't just self-promoting each other, et cetera, et cetera. And that was just one part of it. That was just the Facebook group, not to, not to even mention the website, the newsletter, these trends that every single week were getting, you know, pumped into my inbox. And again, this is no like sales pitch for trends. It is like the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. But you know, aside from that, there was a lot of really awesome value that came from that. And every single week, a, a new fresh newsletter that just got my brain spinning. I mean, before this call, we were quickly chatting about just an idea. I saw on the transcript the other day 
day that, you know, this weekend I'm, I'm going out to prototype it and, and potentially launching a little beta test on. So, you know, it's, it's just a community that's given back so much. And I think it really speaks to just the, the, the value of tight communities um, and having a network built out within business. And for every one good one, there's probably 10 bad ones. Like there are so many fluff groups that are all just self-promoting or, you know, some sort of self-interest by whoever started them. But, you know, you find a community like Trends that somehow over the last, uh, you know, four years around three years they've been around has managed to just keep the quality so high, even at almost 6,000 members now. And, you know, that's, that's how we met. That's how I've met, you know, 80% of my, uh, like closest business colleagues now that I do business with was through trends. So it, it just goes to show the value in communities like that. And, you know, putting yourself out there really has some, some value to it. Well, there was one characteristic that, uh, first of all, great summary in terms of of, uh, of how what the value was of, of that community. But the last one is goes back to the original intent. What's going to be value to your audience? It's like that, that goes without saying. You you wake up out of bed, your feet hit the floor, and you're supposed to deliver value. It's kind of table stakes. What else is new, right? So the fact that folks concentrate on just that cliche phrase, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. I'm just throwing it out there. However, there are tactics, there are deliberate steps. And one of them that is, I think, crucial to gaining traction is it just goes back to whatever the original intent was for the folks that started it. And what happens is, is it's like it, the further away you get from the original intent, it's it's like that, that uh, movie Multiplicity. It's like you start to lose the effectiveness. So the fact that there was so much intent on uh, being relevant and having the right community, having the right audience there, it's similar to what you just talked about with uh, the consulting business. You may have it, exactly what that organization needs. However, the original intent for them even bringing you in to begin with at that large company, it may just be to sound smart in a board meeting. It may just be to, you know, to, to show that they took action to their boss. It may not necessarily even be to solve the problem, right? So it goes yeah. back to the original intent. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's important to focus uh, your attention there. So, all right. So we're, we're out of time. For those of you who are listening, I really appreciate Justin taking some time. Tell people how to get in touch with you and why somebody would want to get in touch with you. If, if Describe the characteristics of why folks would, would want to work with you, Justin. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, you know, on a personal note, I've, I've been through the ringer, you know, all the way from testing companies, failing with companies, starting experiments. So for anyone out there, you know, in the process of launching their own company, especially if it's in the e-commerce space, I've had a lot of experience there before, whether you're launching an agency, an e-commerce company, hit me up, DM me on Instagram. I'm happy to just kind of walk you through what worked for me, what didn't work. We, we can even jump on a quick call and brainstorm together. So uh, easiest way to get in touch with me is vaxa, V-A-X-A dot digital slash Justin. Um, that'll bring you to my link tree. You can, you can DM me on Instagram. You can you know check out my media, my YouTube, all that good stuff. So easiest way to find me there. For anyone who's running an e-commerce company that has an interest in getting creative done or working with us, you know, happy to chat, happy to do a quick rundown and see if potentially it's a good fit for us and, and just give you a quick audit of your current creative. Again, easiest way is to, to DM me or check out our website, vaxadigital.com. There you go. All right. So for those of you who are listening, remember, Knucklehead Podcast, we got new episodes coming at you every Tuesday. So Justin told you exactly how to get in touch with him. Your price of admission essentially is to go back, leave a review. If you haven't done that already, go do push-ups first, especially if you're in Florida <laughs> State, and then go do push-ups and then come back and leave a review and then go get in touch with Justin. Challenge yourself a little bit. You know, he's talking about running a lot of these mini tests and, you know, market validation. If you've never heard of trans, cool, go to trans. I'm sure Justin's probably got some type of code that you can get on his page to, yeah. to get a hook up there. So um, anyway, I appreciate you, man. Anything else that you want to leave these folks with? 
No, I mean, uh, biggest takeaway, obviously relevant to this podcast, don't be afraid to fail. Uh, you know, consider everything you do an experiment. Uh, I, I considered this business an experiment when I started it. I've considered every business an experiment, treat it as an experiment. That way, if it fails, you know, it was just an experiment. Nobody's left bummed at the end of the day. And if it prospers into a company, well, then you got a company on your hands. That's, that's how I'd look at it. It's a great problem to solve, right? It's a great problem to solve. Justin, with that, I appreciate you guys. Again, new episodes coming at you Tuesday. Remember, don't be a bait about the process. Go out and get you some wins and make some things happen today. See you guys. <laughs> Thank you, Steven. You bet, man.